Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm too lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Listen, I know more than this song, but I think I sang this song last time. But the keyboard player can play this song, and I don't have to practice, so I'm just going to sing this song, all right? How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Oh, how many believes that? The splendor of a king That's clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. Oh, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn this evening to the book of Mark, the 10th chapter. How many loves the word of the Lord today? I'm thankful for God's mercy, God's grace upon our lives. I'm so thankful for the mercy and the grace of God. What about you today? Amen. Mark 10, if you've got it, verse 46. The Bible says they came to Jericho. 
And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, he sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried, the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. How many is glad one day Jesus stood still? And how many is glad when you called his name, he stood still and heard your cry? He stood still and he commanded him to be called And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, for he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou thou that I shall do, should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And I want our attention tonight to be on the 52nd verse. And it is here that Jesus said unto him these three words that are very powerful. He said, go thy way. Somebody say, thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. But notice the next three words. He followed Jesus in the way. So Jesus said, go thy way. But when Jesus touched him, he went the way of Jesus. And I want to look at that last verse, and I want to preach something I feel the Lord would have me to speak here tonight. It's such an honor to be with Pastor Staten, great friends, their family, wonderful family. You've got a wonderful pastor and pastor's wife here, and, and God's blessed you. And I will say this, I don't want to get sidetracked, but when you see children that live for God, you know mom and dad did something right and they were a great example. And you ought to thank God for your pastor and your pastor's wife. And I'm glad Brother Roberts is out of the hospital and doing good, aren't you? But Jesus told Bartimaeus, he said, go thy way. But we notice that he followed Jesus in the way. And I want to preach on this thought for a little while. He gave me a new way. Turn to somebody and tell them, he gave me a new way. Let's set our Bibles, our iPhones, iPads, whatever you got. Let's set them down. Let's lift our hands right now. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your word that is forever settled in heaven. We pray now, God, that you would speak to this congregation through your servant. God, I need you tonight. Lord, use me as an instrument to help someone in this room, and we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. Let it be in Jesus' name, and somebody shout amen. Oh, clap your hands to the name that's above every name tonight. God bless you. You can be seated. On many occasions during his earthly ministry, encounters with Jesus changed the outcome of what appeared to be fixed and final situations. Those that were born blind or born lame or disfigured from birth were transformed by just one touch or by just one word from the Lord. I'm confident that Jesus is a healer. He was a healer in the Word of God, in the Bible, but he's also a healer right now today. He likes to move into our realms of impossibilities. He likes to move and operate when things are hopeless and the environment seems to be helpless, when a room is captivated by fear or when answers cannot be found. How many is glad for a God that is a healer? So today's today's scripture reference was one of those cases. No doubt the man in this passage was one of many needs that lived inside of Jericho during this time. 
We do know from reading Scripture that it was common practice for those that were living with a handicapped position that it was, it was common practice for them to go to the gate or the entrance or close to the entrance of the city because it was there that people would come and go. And as they entered, they would be in the right position to maybe get enough to get by for just another day. You see, if you were halt or lame or blind or diseased in that society, they didn't value you very much. In fact, according to the Gospel of St. John chapter 9, people during this time believed that if someone was blind or if someone had a disease, then that person or his parents were sinners or had sinned in their lives. But Jesus valued every single soul, and he cared about every single need, every disability, every, every situation. He looked beyond the blemish. He looked beyond the flaw, and he began to minister to the need, regardless of what society believed. I don't know about you tonight, but I'm glad for a God that looks past the flaw and the failure and the situation in my life. But here, here in this passage, the feast of the Passover was near, so... With that, many people were walking through Jericho and, and uh, on their way to Jerusalem. And like many other people who were blind, blind Bartimaeus was here. But I do believe that there was a sense uh, of acknowledgement. He understood, even though he couldn't see without question, I am confident that he had already heard about this man named Jesus. I believe that he had already heard that he was a blind eye opener and he was a he was a lame man could make a lame man get up and walk again that he was a god that could even raise the dead out of the graves and calm the stormy sea so I'm confident that he had heard of Jesus so when he heard of Jesus passing by his way he was determined to get himself in the right place he was not going to let that moment pass him by. He understood that this opportunity could very well be his last opportunity. And I wonder what would happen if we would come to church every service with the mindset that this opportunity could be our last opportunity. What would happen if we would enter the house of God and have this understanding that this could be the last opportunity I've got to worship? This could be the last opportunity I could make things right. So the Bible says that he cried out to Jesus for mercy, resulting in a miracle that would completely change his way of life. And while studying this, and I've got to hurry along and not get sidetracked, I have a tendency to do that sometimes, but while studying, I noticed something that I'd never recognized before. And Now, I've always heard it preached, and even myself have referred to this man as the blind man named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was, if you will study it out, though, was not really his name, but it was simply identifying him as the son of Timaeus. Born Timaeus, I always thought it was kind of cool. I thought, well, man, you know, his dad was Timaeus, and they was wanting him to sign something, sound something like him, so they named him Bartimaeus. But if you study it out, you will find that the word bar simply means the son of. So what they were saying was, there is the son of Timaeus. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Bartimaeus was not his name, but was a way of identifying him. The son of Timaeus. So scripture simply says that this man was the son of another man named Timaeus. So tonight, in essence, his identity was wrapped up in who his daddy was. He was known on the streets as a blind man, one of those handicapped ones at the gate, just another beggar that's looking for another coin. The mindset of those that passed by was he's always been there and he'll always be there. So when people saw him, they did not call him by a birth name. 
He had been so long in this condition. He had been so long in this way that people only saw him in his handicap. They looked at him and said, there's the blind man. There's Bartimaeus. There's the son of Timaeus. So not only this afternoon was he blind, but he also, that was tragic enough just to be blind, but he was also identified by something, his handicap, and that was the only thing he was recognized. He was recognized not by his name, but by his disability and by his dysfunction. He was defined by the condition that he was born into. And so it was when people came through that gate. He was recognized and identified by the man that's always been blind from birth, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. He is here begging at the gate today. He'll be here begging at the gate tomorrow. His life was nothing more than a routine, an endless cycle of repetitive misery. Another day of the same old, same old. But as we read, we see that there was a principle that he would get a hold of and get to come to know that would also he would exercise his faith in. And that is the fact that just because it's always been a certain way doesn't mean it has to always be that way. I want to tell you just because it's always been one way, that doesn't mean that way can't change and you can't have a new way and a new direction. And as we read this, Brother Staten, as we read this, we know that this day would be like any other day that he had ever faced in his life because Scripture tells us this day Jesus came walking by his way. And this day his way would be changed. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. Now, Scripture doesn't give an age of this man But one could assume that since he was out begging alone, he was probably somewhere now in even, you know, maybe at least his early adulthood. But we can be certain that he had been in this condition long enough to have learned to live with the need in his life. He no doubt had his routine down to a fine art. The same old beggar's cup. The same old cry of pity. The same old place by the gate, day in and day out. But this day would prove to be like no other day. Because you see, there was a man named Jesus that was coming his direction. And I've just come here to tell somebody on this Wednesday night that when Jesus Christ enters the picture of your life, things don't have to stay the way that they've always been. You don't have to continue down the same old path of misery and disappointment. You don't have to keep living that old same life of routine and frustration. I'm telling you, I know a God that's a life changer. I know a God that can rearrange. I know a God that can transform any situation. When he steps into the picture, I wish somebody would shout, things change. Things change. Can I get a witness here tonight? That when he steps in, things change. I don't walk like I used to walk. I don't talk like I used to talk. I don't live like I used to live. I don't go where I used to go. Things change. Now listen, we... We realize it probably in 2021, we probably realize it now more than ever before. But our culture calls this a generational curse. We've heard it. We've seen the effects of it. Now just let me be straight here. We've seen men who were abusive and watched their sons grow up to be abusive. We've seen men who were alcoholics who raised children who likewise became alcoholics. I've watched parents who were unfaithful in their marriage. 
that had children who, when they got old and got married, they were unfaithful in their marriage. But I stand here to say that it doesn't always have to be this way. And what the world calls a generational curse, it can be broken. How do you know that, preacher? Because just one encounter with Jesus Christ is able to change everything in your life. You can leave here delivered from the chains that are holding you captive. You can leave here set free from fear, from guilt, from habit, from addiction. You can leave here set free and start walking in a new way. Oh, does anybody believe what I'm saying tonight? You can be seated. Now, listen, I've been, I've been in the church and around the church long enough to realize and to see those who were negatively affected by the sins of their father. I've watched folks enter the church with a, with a certain stigma hanging over their heads simply because of the name that was attached to their upbringing. I've seen men walk in that were disgraced and marked from the very start by the reproach and the reputation that was associated with their family name. You see, the world says that, you know, and even in in, in sociology and and studies and psychological studies, they would declare that this is what they're always going to be because this is what they've always known. If their father was this, then they're more likely to go follow that same path because drunkards will breed drunkards and drug addicts will produce more drug addicts and cheaters will raise cheaters. And liars will bring forth liars. Trust me, I get it. And the statistic on this support that there is indeed a trend for children to go the way of their parents. So equipped with this information, society wants to claim that this is a generational curse. But listen, on the other side of the coin, we as born-again believers understand that these are not generational curses, but they're just bad habits that got to be broken. We see it not as a way that you are destined to live, but we see it as a need to have an encounter with the Almighty God. I don't care what your lineage declares. The curse can't be broken tonight. I don't care what your parents and your ancestors did, what they were, who they were, what they've done. That cycle can stop with you. That way can change with you. You can have a new way. You see, we understand. We refuse to settle for the language that just because that's the way it's always been, that's the way it's going to stay. We as Pentecostal people, we refuse that that language because I don't care how dirty you walked into this room. You can be delivered from the power of God. I don't care who your daddy was. You can be delivered by the power of Jesus Christ. I don't care what your community knows your family as. You can be changed and you can have a new way. Oh, somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Because we understand. We understand that there is life-changing power in the name of Jesus Christ. And we understand that with an encounter with him, just one moment in his presence, you don't even need a long time, just one moment in his presence can change everything you were and everything you are and everything that you are expected to be. And I'm certain, I'm certain that I'm preaching to many folks in this room today that can testify to the fact that when Jesus gets a hold of you, you won't stay the way that you've always been. And I don't care what the world says about it. It isn't important what this world has defined you as or labeled you as. It doesn't matter what research and statistics try to prove. I've come to declare that one touch from the master can forever change who you are and what you are expected to be. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're going to surprise some folks. Because some of them expected you to be something 
that you was born with. Now, I've got to hurry along, but all of my life I've been in and around the church. Sister Jess, she's my first cousin. She grew up in our church, and I don't, you know, you might spell it H-O-L-L-O-W, hollow, but we grew up in a holler. And we can also holler at people. But up in that church in the valley that we grew up in all of my life, in ministry, I've seen many times those who come to church and get touched by Jesus. I've observed many through the years who have come into the house of the Lord and I've watched as their hearts have been pricked by the word of God. I've seen what I know was a conviction that drove them to their knees at an altar of repentance. I've watched it all of my life. I've seen countless people in my life delivered. And if you have any spirituality at all, you can detect the moment when God moved into their life and began to rearrange things. I've watched and I've prayed with many folks who knelt down in sincerity and with godly sorrow they surrendered their lives to the Lord. I've seen tears of repentance flow and then the countenance on their face change as God began to transform their hearts. I also believe that when they got up, they were clean from the past and they were delivered from the life that they had been enslaved to. Because that's what Jesus does. He don't do a partway job. He don't do halfway stuff. He's not in the business of just fixing it a little bit. I'm telling you, if you'll kneel at an altar in repentance, and if you'll sincerely give it all to the Lord, he can rearrange everything. So I've watched it all of my life, and you don't see it much anymore, but I can remember. I can remember going up in the church seeing people not only pray, but I've watched them physically lay their addictions down the altar. I've, I've seen anything from pill bottles, cigarette packs, alcohol containers, satanic books, throw them at the altar. I've seen, when, when I was younger growing up, we used to have bonfires where, uh, where drug devices and crack pipes were thrown into a fire and were destroyed. I've seen entire book collections and music collections burn because in that moment, that individual felt liberty from their past. And I really do believe that it was sincere and those feelings of conviction were real. I believe that. And when folks feel the powerful presence of God, they're convicted and they want to lay it down. They don't want to keep going that way and walking. But the problem that I've often seen is what comes next. And that's what I want to talk to you just a little bit about here. After they leave the house of God, when they walk out of that moment, they continue tragically to walk the same way. What do you mean, preacher? They revisit the old environments. They hang out with the old influences. They entertain the same entertainment. Now let me be careful. I'm not your pastor. Let me be careful to say this because I don't want to come across as discouraging. So let me try and convey to you in a very encouraging way that just because you laid something down at the altar doesn't mean that it'll never come knocking on your door again. Just because you know God forgave you of something. Listen, just because you made that wise choice to come to the Lord doesn't mean that you are now exempt from temptation. Because when your soul got saved, your flesh did not get saved. And as long as you are hanging out with this flesh, you're going to have to battle the lust of the flesh. You're going to have to battle the desires of the flesh. So the problem that I've learned with so many that I've witnessed through the years is that they come with good intentions and they've got pure motives and sincere hearts. But once they leave the moment, they fail to change the way that they're walking. You see, when you find Jesus, you've got to have a new way. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away, and behold, all things. Somebody shout, all things. 
all things become new. Paul said it like this in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. He said this, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. The Scripture helps us tonight to understand that just because that's the way you've always walked does not mean that's the way you're to keep walking. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking for a temporary fix or a temporary relief. I'm looking for a permanent change in my life. I'm not looking for a moment to just make me feel better or a little goosebump on a Sunday, but I'm looking for a delivering, transforming power in my life. Now, I have had... I want to stop here and tell somebody for a moment. I've heard those say, they've come and said, you know, I used to be an alcoholic, but alcohol doesn't bother me anymore. Let me say this. It may not bother you while you're still high on the Holy Ghost, but you get yourself in a weak time, in the wrong place, find yourself in the middle of a struggle, and then go hang out with some of those old friends, and, and let's see what happens when you're weak. You need to hear me out. You can't walk the same old way. You got to have a new direction. You got to have a new way. I've watched those through the years that come to the Lord but went back to the same environment and kept the same company, hanged out with the same friend. Trust me, I've heard every excuse in the book. I've heard people say, I can't walk away from my worldly friends because God's going to use me to win them. And while winning your worldly friends should always be a top priority, you also have to be very careful how you deal with this. You know, I remember when I was youth pastor, as a young man came to the Lord. He, he surrendered his life to the Lord. He came out of a pretty bad environment. He'd had a pretty bad past. He was, a, he was a, actually a, an acquaintance of mine through school. He was actually a friend of mine. I didn't hang out with him, but he was a friend of mine. But not, on, not long after he gave his life to the Lord, I remember that same young man trying his best to convince me that he could go to parties and hang out with his old friends and still serve God. He was convinced that this would be a way to show them the change that was in him and persuade them to follow suit. Listen to me right now. You can say whatever you want to say and try to justify whatever you want to justify. Go ahead and convince yourself that you're strong enough to handle But God has let me come to this room today to remind you, if you continue to walk in the old way long enough, you will eventually become a prey to the old way. Whatever your weakness was before Christ will once again surface as your weakness. You better hear this preacher out today. There has to come a moment in your life that you're willing to say, God has transformed me. God has turned me around. God has changed my direction, and I cannot go back to the way that it was. Listen, the psalmist David said in Psalms 40 and 2, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay, and he set my feet up on a rock, and he established my going. The horrible pit and the miry clay is something God brought us out of. It's not something we need to go running back to. If God brought you out, you need to stay out. If God lifted you up, you need to stay on solid ground. So once you've, once you've surrendered your life to the Lord, you've got to be strong enough to look at your friends from your old past life, and you've got, to, you've got to be able to look at them and say, look, I love you, I'm still your friend, but I can't follow you in the direction you're going. Now, now I want to let you know where I am. If you ever need me, you can always call, and you can always know where to find me because I'm going to be standing right here on the grace of God. Now, I'm not telling you to cut people off in your life or stop loving them. I'm just telling you that Jesus will change your way and you won't want to go back to where you always went and you won't want to do what you've always done. Come on, I've come to preach to you today. You can find strength in the house of the Lord. 
That's why I preach. That's why your pastor so adamantly preaches that church must stay connected to the source. We don't ever want our churches to become just another church, but we want them to be dancing churches and shouting churches and praying churches and spirit-filled churches. You know why? This is the kind of atmosphere that people are set free in. Now, I truly believe there's enough power in this room right now that whatever you're addicted to, you can name it. I believe there's enough power in this room right now to set you free. I've seen God do it. He can remove fear and anxiety from your life tonight. He can help you conquer depression that's trying to smother out your peace of mind right now. He can take the taste of alcohol out of your mouth right now. Whatever it is you're dealing with, I've seen God work. I've seen God move. And you're waking up too late to tell me God's not able to do it. I've watched God dry up the alcoholic. I've witnessed him break the addiction of drugs and prescription pills. I've seen him take away the old desires. There's men on our staff and women on our staff at our church that were once addicted to substances. And I know there's men and women in this house today that God delivered many years ago, and you're still living for God today. There's people, I I was preaching uh, just a few weeks ago at our church, and there was a gentleman in our church, he's an elder in our church, and and he he had, uh, when he came to the Lord, I told the church what he used to be, and they was like, no way. Yes, 30 years ago, Brother Roberts, but he's still living for God today. How did he do it? I'm going to tell you how he did it. After he got his deliverance, he changed his way. He didn't go around sniffing the bottle. (laughs) He didn't leave that altar and go back to a smoky atmosphere. But he got up from deliverance and went a new direction. And the reason they're still here today and the reason some of you are still here today is because you let the Lord change your way. And I rise with a convicting voice here this evening to tell you, Bartimaeus, you don't have to go your own way. With Jesus, you can find a new way. And I've got news for you on a midweek that if you're walking in a way of no fulfillment, no satisfaction, and no hope, there's a new way. A way that'll bring blessing to your life. A way that'll bring peace to your mind. A new way that'll put joy back in your heart. A way that can change your future. The wise man of Proverbs, he writes in Proverbs 16 and 25, he said, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Your Bible says that there's a way that seems right, but the end of that way will lead you to destruction. I believe when you find Jesus, you find a new way. Somebody shout a new way. I'm not who I used to be. I don't live like I used to live. He made the difference. Man, clap your hands to him again tonight. Fresh out of the upper room experience in Acts 2. We find Peter and John in the very next chapter going up to the temple to pray. And at the entrance of the gate of that temple, the Bible says there was a man there whom the Bible says was lame from his mother's womb. What he was and what he did had always been. We also read that he had help getting there, for it reads that daily he was laid there by somebody. Let me just say here that if you look hard enough and long enough, you'll always find somebody to come up beside you and justify your way. Hanging out with carnal people will keep you living in the same old way. You know, it's always startled me when folks take a spiritual question to a non-spiritual person. 
and wonder why they didn't get sound advice. It's like asking a farmer to fly an airplane. If you want spiritual advice, ask somebody who's been with God. Because all the lukewarm person is going to do is lay you back in the same old place you've been laying. But look what happens. The Bible says he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple at the hour of prayer. And he asked them for alms. He asked for alms because this was his routine. This was his way. This is how it had always been. But in verse 5, he gave heed to them. The Bible says, Acts chapter 3, verse 5, that he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something. How many are glad to know a God that can exceed your expectations? Is there a witness here on a Wednesday night that will say, I expected something when I came, but he exceeded my expectations. I got more than what I thought. All I was expecting was another handout, but my Lord, look what he's done for me. Oh, I believe there's somebody here that can say it like the old song says it. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul's got to cry out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. He exceeded my expectations. So then Peter looks at him and he says, silver and gold, have I none? In other words, here's what he said. I don't have what you're accustomed to receiving in your way. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. And walk. So in essence, what Peter was saying, I have something in my way that you can't find in your way. And I'm going to tell you tonight, you can find something in God's way that you can't find in the way of this world. You can find something in the church that you can't find in a bar room. You can find something in the house of God that you can't find in another drug. You can find something in the house of God that you can't find in another earthly relationship. There's something in this way that can't be found in that way. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. And the Bible says he took him by the right hand, and he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Look at verse 8. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. This man who just a few moments ago, was living a way that did not allow him to enter the temple. He was living a way that restricted him. He couldn't go into the house of God. But now that God touched him, and now that God healed him, he was given a new way and a new life. He didn't get his miracle and run off. He didn't get his miracle and walk away. He got his miracle and ran into the temple. And I'm telling you that when you truly find the Lord and the Lord truly changes your way, you can't wait to get to the house of God. When the Lord changes your way, you won't have to be pried and pulled to be faithful to the house of God. You can't wait for prayer meeting. You can't wait for Sunday worship because you will run to the temple because the Lord has changed your way. I'm not talking about getting your deliverance at an altar and then going back to the same way you were living. I'm talking about a conversion that will change your conversation. I'm talking about a transformation that will take place in your life that will cause you to get up from where you were and put you on a new path. Somebody ought to shout, he gave me a new way. I'm not going to be much longer, but when this lame man was healed, he didn't just get what he needed and run off. 
You see, this is the temptation when you feel good on Sunday afternoon and you run at this altar and you cry out at this altar call. And then when the Lord touches you, you're here a few minutes and you can leave here saying, you know, I guess I got what I came for. But when you really get a touch from the Lord, it's something you can't live without. There's going to be a hunger down deep inside of you that you're going to find yourself during the week anticipating the next church service. Is it Wednesday yet? Is it Sunday yet? I, got, I don't have room for excuses. Amen. You can't wait to get into the temple. I can tell here on a Wednesday night that there's folks that couldn't wait to get here on a midweek. You might have worked hard, you might have fished hard, but you come to the house of God tonight and said like David, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up into the house of the Lord. You know why God changed our way? He changed your way. I really am trying to hurry. Brother Roberts told me about those new jets that they have that go straight up and can come straight by. I can't hardly do that. I've got to have a runway, so I'm trying to land. But real quickly, let's look at one more little passage, John chapter 8. And we find here the story of a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. She had no defense. She was guilty as charged. There was no denying the claim. So they brought her to Jesus to see what he would do. Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Tell us, Master, what shall be done? We know what the law says. But as the conversation continued, everything for this woman was about to change. And as those accusers stood ready with stones clutched in their fist, they were ready to cast as soon as Jesus gave them the word. But instead, the Bible says Jesus stooped down and with his finger begins to write in the sand. What he wrote, I'm not certain. But what he said next was very clear. He said, he that is among you without sin, let him cast the first stone. Let me just stop here and tell all the stone throwers today, you might as well go ahead and put it down because none of us are perfect. Just go ahead and put your stone away because if it hadn't been for the mercies of the Lord, every one of us would be in trouble. In fact, Paul said, such were some of you, but you've been washed. Somebody here that's been sanctified, that's been washed, ought to understand today that such were some of you. So he said, he that is among you without sin, let him cast the first stone. And when these men heard this, they begin to take inventory of their own lives, feeling conviction in their own hearts. One by one, from the eldest down to the youngest, they dropped their stones and they walked away. And then he said, woman, where are thine accusers? She looked up. She said, Lord, there are none. I see none. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This woman was at a transitional moment in her life. Go thy way. But this new way has to be different on the other side of mercy. Let me tell you, when Jesus forgives you of your sin, it's got to be a new life on the other side of mercy. It's more than just saying a little simple confession of faith and then going to live in any way you want to live. On the other side of mercy, go thy way. But this new way has to be a way where you sin no more. And I want to tell you today as I close, Jesus wants to give you a new way. But on the other side of mercy, there is a way that is different than the way that you've been walking. There's a way that's different than the way that you've been talking. There's a way that's different than the life that you've been living. Go! and sin no more. you got to let him change your way. Somebody shout, he gave me a new way. 
I'm glad he did. What about you tonight? Is this all right this evening? Listen, this woman, it's kind of hard to compete with this guy preaching, so. But listen, this woman had a choice to make. This woman had a choice to make, okay? Go and sin no more or leave this place of mercy and go back to your old way and you're going to end up right back here again. The same charges. The same stones. And likewise, you and I have a choice tonight as we stand. The Lord gives us a new way. But that way's got to be a way that says, you know what? There's going to be some things change in my life. And I'm not just going to leave here in the moment and go back to the same old life. Bartimaeus, go thy way. No, Jesus. I'm going to follow you in the way. I don't care what my identity is. I'm changing my way. And pretty soon, they're not going to see me as Bartimaeus laying by the gate. But they're going to see me as a disciple following the Lord. Because it doesn't matter. I don't care what your identity is tonight. Let's close our eyes and lift our hands. doesn't matter where you came from. Jesus can change your way. And I know it's midweek. I know we got to work tomorrow. I know that there's things in our lives today, but I, I wouldn't let pride keep me in my seat right now. I, I wouldn't let what others think keep me in my seat right now. I, I would walk down to this altar and say, first of all, if you've been changed and you got a new way, you ought to come and thank him for it. But if you need a new way, you ought to come down here and say, God, I want you to change my way tonight. I want you to give me a new way tonight. Can we do that all over this room? That's it. Let's fill this altar. Let the Lord touch us on a midweek. Listen, it can happen on a midweek. As they begin to sing, pour your heart out to him right now. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.